day is just one week away, and the horse dung is really beginning to hit the fan. Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please subscribe. You can find us in the iTunes App Store at NP Online. You can also go to the Google Play Store and download the Podbean app. That is our hosting service. You download that app. That will put you in good stead. You can get it for free, and then you can subscribe there and never miss an episode. Okay. I really wanted to crack down on this. There are some things that are starting to gel. Uh, It's all coming together, and it does so to the extent that it really raises the issues that are at stake in this campaign. The stakes really have never been higher. Now, I know that that is something which is raised in every election. Oh, this is the most consequential election of our lifetime. This is the most important election of our lifetime. But in this case, it's the actual literal truth. Prior to the election of Donald Trump, we had been on a slippery soap. I've spoken about this. I have a YouTube um, sort of narration video that I had mentioned about this. just in the weeks before I started this podcast, about how I felt that America started to go down a very, very precipitous slope with the advent of the Clinton administration. They flooded more bureaucrats in there than you can possibly imagine. And then with the Iraqi war, which preoccupied, and the Afghanistan war, which preoccupied the Bush administration, A lot of things that George W. Bush might otherwise have undertaken sort of got put on the back burner because he was preoccupied fighting back after a terrorist attack and fighting the war. So the bureaucrats sort of stayed under the radar and stayed in the system. And then when Obama got in, two terms, they were just about ready to put the nail in the coffin of the United States. And that's what would have happened had Hillary Clinton been elected. Donald Trump was elected in response to a growing sentiment in this country of people that realized their country and their way of life was slipping away from them at a rapid rate, and they wanted to stand athwart history and yell, stop. And they did. These same forces, as I've said before, are what propelled the British people to vote for Brexit and get out of the European Union because they saw the entry in the European Union as the first step in the erosion of national sovereignty. We have that situation here today. Donald Trump didn't create that movement. Donald Trump got the support he did because he was the only one who echoed the sentiments of that movement. He agreed with that movement. He heard the quote-unquote voice in the wilderness that no one else heard. He became the champion of that movement because he believes it in his heart of heart. And now that he's done so much in the four years that he's been in, there are those that are trying to remove him. They've tried everything. They've tried Russian collusion hoaxes, which were nothing more than a pre-planned coup to get rid of him. They've tried impeachment. They've tried everything you can possibly imagine. They've tried hitting him with negative publicity. And finally, a virus came to their aid. He closed the country in response to Doctors' advice, medical professionals' advice, who now we now know were about as wrong about everything about this virus as, as anybody else, and he probably should have followed his instincts, and I'm sure that as soon as he did close the country, he regretted doing it. 
But these doctors, the Fauci's, the Scarf Queen, they've been just about as wrong about everything. Fauci first said, don't wear the mask, now wear the mask. Fauci is a career bureaucrat. He doesn't know jack. And I suspect that once Donald Trump is reelected, Dr. Fauci will be given his walking papers. But first, Donald Trump has to get reelected. Now, I think he's going to be, but we can't be complacent. Polling data, which I've been looking at, talked about in other shows, indicates that when you look at the real meaningful polls, like the Trafalgar Group, which is the only one that got it correct the last time, Rasmussen, which has historically been accurate, and the Investors Business Daily tip poll, the IB tip poll, which aggregates all the other polls, you see a tremendous surge for Donald Trump. It's closing. People are telling you that Arizona is in play. Did you see the rally that Donald Trump ran in Arizona the other day? There were people as far as the eye could see. There must have been 50, 60,000 people there in Arizona. In Florida, there was a 75,000 car caravan. The support that he's getting is incredible. It's incredible. His support among Hispanics, 10 points ahead of where Hillary Clinton was in 2016. Donald Trump's poll numbers, ahead of where they were in 2016. Biden goes to rally, nobody shows up. So I'm telling you, he is surging. Now, how things will happen in the downstream races, that's anyone's guess, because all politics is ultimately local. But Donald Trump has been coming to Washington, and despite having to go two years where even his own party was starting to buy in initially into the Russia narrative until these investigations before the House started to come about, and they started looking at these things, and they saw, hey, this is a crock. And they started to get on board with him. Who knows how much he could have accomplished before then. But let me tell you what he's accomplished, notwithstanding that. There were 165 circuit court judgeships left vacant by the Obama administration. Trump has filled them all. And he's put three justices on the Supreme Court. That, more than anything, is going to be the bulwark that preserves this democracy. God forbid the day that a Democrat takes over the White House or if they ever take over the Senate again. And they're going to try and pack the court, even though 58% of the American people say they don't want it. Now, but there's more at stake. All this is if Donald Trump wins. If he wins, he'll finish the job that he started because he'll have a take-no-prisoners attitude because he's not running for re-election again. He can only do two terms. This would be his second. But if Donald Trump were to lose, my friends, you can forget the socialism versus freedom debate. We'll be living in socialism. Because Joe Biden is sick as a dog. He's not going to be around. And he's corrupt anyway. You can forget accountability. You can forget accountability for the people that were in bed with the Russia hoax. You can forget accountability for James Clapper, John Brennan, James Comey, Obama himself, Biden, Hillary Clinton, and the Democratic machine. You can forget accountability for the, for the phony dossier that Hillary Clinton paid for and that James Comey then foisted upon a FISA court defrauding them, telling him it was evidence. You can forget 
accountability for the likes of Nancy Pelosi, who told everyone to go to Chinatown in San Francisco. It's okay, it's safe. Tells everyone to wear a mask, but didn't begin wearing one herself until she was caught on camera, getting her hair done after she strong-armed a salon owner into opening just for her, because only the little people need to suffer. You can forget accountability for the hypocrites like Maxine Waters, who lives in a $6 million mansion, which is a pretty good trick for someone who's been in Congress for 40 years and never made more than 100 some odd thousand a year. How do you live in a $6 million mansion on that kind of salary? And here's the real good part, is now trashing a naval veteran who's running against her because he had the audacity to point out that her $6 million mansion isn't even located in the district she represents. There should be something about that, shouldn't there be? I mean, if you have to live in a state to be a congressional representative from that state, shouldn't you have to live in the district that you represent? Shouldn't that be cause for getting rid of her? Maxine Waters is a contemptible woman, as is Nancy Pelosi. They both need to be removed. This just doesn't get any worse. But the real, real one that I just find sticks in my throat and makes me want to puke is this revelation about the Biden corruption. Now, we always knew that Joe Biden was corrupt, at least those of us in the know. The man has four palatial lakefront properties worth in the millions each. He's never worked anywhere but government as a senator. How does one afford those kind of properties on that kind of salary? Well, now we know. Biden says he's never taken a dime of foreign money. And he hasn't, in a matter of speaking. What Biden has done over the course of his life is enrich himself by using his government influence to get his children employed for big money by foreign nationals. He did this with Burisma, with his son Hunter. He did it with China. And we had a man named Tony Bobolinsky, who was himself a decorated Navy veteran and a CEO in his own right, worth a lot of money, who was now substantiating this. And he didn't come up with this material himself. But he's verifying stuff that was recovered from Hunter Biden's laptop. He's verifying these email strings that they're true, that he met with Joe Biden, that everyone knew that Biden was getting money. See, what happens is the game is, it's called the Washington hustle. And let me tell you how it works, because the Clintons really perfected it. What you basically do is you try and utilize semantics to engage in and justify money laundering. So let me explain how the Clintons did it, and then I'll explain to you how the Biden people do it. The Clintons did it with their Clinton Foundation and with speaking fees, because we all know what a genius Hillary was, right? So, so genius that if you listen to her, you fall asleep after 15 minutes. And her husband, former president, well, all former presidents command a high speaking fee. The going rate's usually about $60,000 a speech. The Clinton Foundation was formed uh, so that the Clintons could get money, supposedly, and take care of things around the world with charities. About 85% of all the money that went to the Clinton Foundation was chewed up as expenses, used to fly them around the world, put them up in luxury homes. About only 5 to 15% went to the actual people who were in need of it. They raided Haiti. They did terrible things with the Clinton Foundation. 
never called to task. Everyone loves the Clintons. And why not? Because if you listen to it, the news media tells you they're the greatest things since sliced bread. They don't tell you the truth about it. Just as you're seeing now with the Biden scandal. If this had been Donald Trump Jr. or Eric Trump, there'd be reporters camped outside his house every day. They'd be hounding the president every day looking for answers. No one's even reporting this on NBC, CNBC, MSNBC, ABC, CBS. doesn't exist. If it wasn't for Fox News, talk radio, and the New York Post, you'd never know about it. But it's real, and it's happening. But the Clintons went on with their foundation. And then, wow, Hillary Clinton, she lost to Obama. But to keep everybody happy, they made her Secretary of State. Well, now she's back in public office again. Now she's in a, a position of influence again. She's back in the game. She has something to sell. And what is that? Our country. The Clintons made very, very common knowledge that, that they had left the White House broke because of all the legal fees they had to spend for all of the uh, scandals they were involved in that they said was just a, a vast right-wing conspiracy. Well, for people who left the White House broke, they did pretty good. Because by the time she left the Secretary of State job to run for uh, president, they were worth $375 million. Now, doesn't it strike you odd that people who work in the government that don't have a business, that don't sell a product, don't manufacture anything, go from having nothing to amassing $375 million in less than I don't know, 15, 10 years, 15 years? You try it. Tell me how it works for you. Because when you find out that recipe, I want to I know about it. Because if it's legal, I'll do it. But it's not legal. Bill Clinton's speaking fees, as soon as Hillary Clinton became Secretary of State, went from 60000 a speech to 300000 a speech. What do you think that's about? It's about buying influence, my friends. You're giving, there's no limit to how much you can pay someone to make a speech. So if you want to buy the Secretary of State, you pay her husband 300000 to speak when he's not worth 300000 Maybe 50 or 60 of it is justified by his former status as a president of the United States. The other 240000 is to line the Clintons' pockets and get them to do what they want them to do. That's how she was able to sign off on that big uranium transfer to the Russians. They talk about Trump being in bed with the Russians. Once Hillary Clinton lost the presidential election, though, the Clinton Foundation went belly up in short order. You see, when you're no longer in the game and you're no longer in the position to do favors for people because you no longer can sell your country down the line, people have no reason to give you money. So the money dried up, so they closed the foundation. And the way they structured the foundation was sheer genius. They had a holding company that they formed in Canada that held the Clinton Foundation. All the donations went to this holding company in Canada. And the holding company in Canada would then cut a check or make a deposit transfer to the Clinton Foundation in the United States. All the money, virtually all of it, went from that holding company, that shell corporation, 
in Canada to the Clinton Foundation. Now, that entity in Canada had no other function other than to act as an intake for money, which they would then take and send to the Clinton Foundation here in the United States. Now, there were some high-profile people that would donate directly to the Clinton Foundation, people whose money were clean, like uh, George Stephanopoulos, that, you know, that unbiased journalist who used to be the press secretary for Bill Clinton is now works for ABC, but is still a surrogate of the Clintons. Well, he's not unbiased, but he has a legitimate job. He works for ABC. So his money could go directly to the Clinton Foundation. But if you were taking money from China, or you were taking money from Saudi Arabia, or you were taking money from Russia, or a host of other places that you didn't want people to know you were taking money from, you wouldn't put it directly into the foundation because then it would be transparent and people would be able to find out with court subpoenas and things of that nature where this money came from. But Canada has secrecy laws. They're not allowed to tell you who puts the money in. They won't tell you. So what happened is all the unsavory money went to the Canadian company. And now the Canadian company writes a check or makes a transfer and sends it to the Clinton Foundation. And so now the money is clean. That is called money laundering. Plain and simple. Now, the Bidens did it a different way. They didn't use speaking engagements or a foundation. See, the Clintons were slick. They tried to make it look like it was charity, like they were helping everybody else. Got to give them credit for that. They're pretty slick. The Bidens were just brazen. What they would do instead is Joe, when he was a senator, and then later when he was vice president, used his position to get his son jobs that he didn't deserve with a lot of companies that had businesses with foreign governments. Most of those foreign governments, like Russia and China, are really not allies of the United States. They're competitors, at at best, enemies at worst. And to make matters worse, Hunter Biden doesn't know a thing about any of these businesses that his father's influence manages to get him hired into. And they pay him an inflated salary, which he doesn't deserve. Well, it has to be inflated because half of the salary that he gets, he has to kick downstairs to the old man known as the big guy, according to Tony Bobolinsky in this Chinese scandal. So Biden can very credibly get up there and say, I never took money from China. Well, in a manner of speaking, that's true. He never took it from them directly, but he took it indirectly. And when you take money indirectly that you know you would never be allowed to take directly because it's corruption, that's money laundering. And it's corruption. Joe Biden is as corrupt as they come. And in a little twist to get even more drama into this, we find that he went to some place in Georgia. The name escapes me at the moment, but you can Google it on the news, where FDR famously went to die. He didn't want to die, I guess, in Hyde Park. He went to Georgia. He died there. He died. 82 days into his fourth term, he deceived the American people, FDR, because FDR had been very sick. He was not a well man to begin with. He was in command of his faculties, but the man was a paraplegic, couldn't walk, he was confined to a wheelchair. Because of the absence of television, they pretty much hid that from the majority of the American people. It seems unthinkable today that a public person like the President of the United States could be a cripple. And we would never know about it. 
But back in the days when the major medium was radio, television wasn't around. It was easy to do. With carefully orchestrated newsreels, they were able to do it. But his health had been really going downhill. The strain of managing World War II and the economy and the Depression. He was hanging on by his fingertips, but he was immensely popular because of the ability to manipulate public opinion. And he was reelected. He was dead 82 days later. What's going on now, right before your eyes, with the benefit of television and everything else, is the same thing. That's why it was so ironic that Biden chose to go there. Biden is a sick man, ladies and gentlemen. He cannot discharge the duties of the office. How does he look so good then in the debates? Well, he doesn't really look good, but he looks a lot better than he actually is. And how do they do that? Well, Biden is suffering from dementia. People in the know know this. Most people know this. Because when he's not on the debate stage, he doesn't look so good. The other day he was on TV answering a question from a reporter, and he he actually thought he was running against George W. Bush. But he wasn't running against George W. Bush. He was running against Donald Trump. And then he caught himself and said he was running against Donald Trump. Well, it gets a little better than that. When a person suffers from dementia, they can suffer from a phenomenon called sundowning. What happens is, as the day advances and the hour grows late, people who suffer from dementia and get disoriented become even more so after like 8 o'clock at night. Now, these debates all take place in prime time, around 9 o'clock at night. So the campaign was very concerned about how they were going to have old Joe look quasi-coherent for the debates. And you may have heard other people talking about it, but the Biden campaign was shutting down regularly about 9 a.m. in the morning for weeks leading up to the debate. What were they doing? They were putting old sleepy Joe to bed. They were changing his ophidian, or otherwise known as biological clock, to make him think that day was night and night was day, or to make his body think day was night and night was day. So that when Joe got up at 6 p.m. at night, he thought it was morning, so that he wouldn't suffer to the same degree from the effects of this sundowning phenomenon. That, coupled with the fact that they had him loaded up on Adderall to pump him up, is how they got him through 90 minutes. But you can't do that to the human body all the time. You have to go out and campaign eventually, although they're trying their best not to. And you can't keep taking Adderall all the time. The man is 78 year old, eight years old after all. So we have a party that so hates Donald Trump that for two elections in a row, they have foisted upon you the alternative to Trump, their nominee, which in both cases were two old, sick people. Hillary couldn't stand up. She made a speech. You have to lay down for three days. Joe Biden doesn't know where he is. Joe Biden is suffering from dementia. And if he's elected, he'll be the oldest man ever to take office. He's 78 years old, and he's in bad health, and he's frail. So even if he looked somewhat semi-cogent during that last debate, you could see he looked frail. Trump looked vigorous. Say what you will about him. He looked vigorous. He looked strong. He looked rested. He looked tanned. Biden looked like a frail old man, very, very weak. 
And now we know he's a frail, old, corrupt man. For everything that came out in the Bobolinsky interview, for everything that's come out with these revelations about the hard drive, which we now know the FBI had since 2019 and did nothing with. And now they have the gall to try and say that all of this is Russian disinformation and that Rudy Giuliani, of all people, is being used as a pawn. Now, I have no love for Rudy Giuliani, personally, but he is on the money on this one. There is no question about it. He's absolutely correct. That hard drive is bona fide, and we know that because none other than Hunter Biden's lawyer asked for that hard drive back. He says, I like my client's hard drive back. Nobody asks for a hard drive back saying it belongs to their client when it doesn't. So the hard drive has been identified as Hunter Biden's by none other than Biden's own attorney. Those email strings have been verified by Tony Bobolinsky and others. The Bidens are as corrupt as you get. Money laundering, it's a common thread in the Democratic Party. And if we don't get out next week and vote for President Donald Trump and reelect him, there's going to be no accountability for everything the Clintons did, everything Comey did, everything the FBI did in defrauding the FISA court, everything that the Mueller Commission did with those 14 or 30 Democrat attorneys falsifying things, agents falsifying emails, editing emails, Brennan, Clapper, and the Bidens, all of it, Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi, all of it will be for naught. And let's not forget General Flynn, who was sandbagged and framed. That is why that judge is trying to keep that case alive when he has no authority to do so. Judges sit in judgment. They don't prosecute. The Justice Department does. The Justice Department says they're dropping the case against Flynn. He won't let it go. And the circuit court hasn't stopped him. Why? Because they're hoping they get a new president. When they get a new president, they'll have a new attorney general. New attorney general, prosecution's back in action. That's what would happen. It's not going to happen for two reasons. One, should the unthinkable happen and Donald Trump lose the election, he's going to pardon Flynn before he leaves office. So they won't be able to touch him. But if he loses, all the other things I told you, the lack of accountability, the continued spiral towards socialism, the continued swamp bilking the people, that's going to continue. The borders splitting open, the wall being torn down. That's right. We've got a wall up, nothing wrong with it. But rather than spend money on things that need to be spent on, you mark my words, the Democrats will actually spend money that they could be better use elsewhere to tear that wall down because they want people flooding into this country. They want a permanent underclass who will be seduced into just simply voting for other people's money by voting for them and will never win an election. You'll have Puerto Rico as a state, two more Democratic seats. You'll have D.C. as a state. That's four more Democratic seats. But you can stop it. You can stop all of it. Go there. Go to the polls next Tuesday. 
hang on that lever for Donald Trump if there's still levers, if you're lucky enough to have them in the state you're in. Fill out that ballot for Trump. Straight conservative ticket down the line. Say no to this out-and-out robbing of American wealth. And remember, for all they told you about Donald Trump being a hothead, being irresponsible, Donald Trump hasn't gotten us into any wars. Donald Trump has gotten us out of wars. American men aren't dying anymore. American girls aren't dying anymore. They're not coming home in body bags. Because we're not fighting other people's wars. In fact, other people are now paying up for things that we provided for them over the years. Get your friends. Get your parents. Get your siblings. Get your cousins. Get everyone you know. And vote for Trump. I realize he's not a perfect human being. I think if you got him alone privately, Donald Trump wouldn't say he's a perfect human being. But I know one thing. There's been nobody in Washington investigated more than Donald Trump, and they haven't found a goddamn thing on him. He's got to be a lot cleaner than the people that are running against him. And whatever Donald Trump is or isn't, what he definitely is, is a man for the times. He's the only one on the horizon that has the integrity, the physicality, and the intestinal fortitude to make good on what he says he's going to do and drain that swamp. Give him the four more years. Because you're not just giving it to him. You're giving it to your children. You're giving them freedom. And you're giving them a future. Because without him, the future is not very bright. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.